Pearson. Today for the Overmatch podcast, I have a very special guest for you. His name is Kevin Owens, and it's his podcast. And here he is to talk on his podcast. It's our podcast. (laughs) So a long time ago, I had told everybody to send me questions that they wanted to ask you to get to know you a little bit better. So we're going to humanize Kevin Owens today and learn a little bit more about who he is and not just all of the amazing gun stuff and badassery that you. Yeah. Don't, don't put those labels on me. I humanize. Yeah. I'm not that guy. Anyway, go ahead. What's your questions? Okay. So let's get to know Kevin a little better. Kevin, what are your hobbies other than shooting? You can't use that. I don't have any hobbies other than shooting. Sorry. I'm pretty boring. Um, Nothing? Not really, no. Uh, no, I mean, we go hiking and stuff like that. And But I don't have any hobbies other than... Sh- I'm going to the range today when we're done with this. We were on the range yesterday. Um, it's my job and my hobby, which I'm very, very lucky in that sense. Um, but I don't really have any other hobbies other than shooting and guns and stuff like that. It, it's, it's just what I do. Uh, antique, antiquing. I'm kidding. <laughs> I am one of these people that antique is not a verb. <laughs> okay. What is the best thing you learned from your career? Wow. You give me hard questions, Kirsten. Um, I, I don't, this is a hard question. Maybe, maybe that, that hard work and perseverance pays off in the end, right? It, it's, it's kind of a thing now with, with, you know, younger people now, and I don't want to be bashing on younger people, but th- this, they're not used to this delayed gratification, right? They want instant gratification, which we all do now, cell phones and all that kind of thing. But pushing through a career in Ireland, in special operations or in America where you went to selection and it took a year or more to get to the end of, of a training pipeline before you started, you know, go to war, be a Green Beret and all that kind of stuff, right? So it was a lot of work and over a long period of time and that delayed gratification, the hard work and perseverance that comes in at the end. I look at some of the stuff now, and I'm not I'm not calling myself a a, a badass or anything. I'm not that guy, right? But I look at some of the the really hard stuff that we did, and I'm like, oh my god! When you're young, you're just tough, right? We were in the range yesterday, and it was cold as hell, and we were like, okay, do a, do a little bit of shooting. Let's go back in the van and get warm and go back out again, right? But I I remember back in the day being freezing and out in the out in the field for weeks at a time in the pouring rain and freezing temperatures and all that. But it was always a means to an end to get to somewhere. I don't really know at the time where I was going, but. I, I think that hard work, perseverance, and I don't know if I learned that in my career. I learned it as a young man or, or, you know, my mother taught me. I, I, I don't know, but um, that wasn't a very good answer. Sorry. No, that was a good answer. I like it. So more on that topic, what do you feel is your greatest accomplishment from uh, your career as well as your personal life? Well, my personal life, yeah. Well, my personal life is my family, obviously, right? My wife, my four kids, amazing, right? And and it was hard, and it was a lot of hard work. But but you know we 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 triumphed in the end, and and we got we have a great family, right? That's obviously that answer. In my career, I I think my my reputation, I think right, because a lot of people go through special operations training, a lot of people go through the pipeline, a lot of people come out at the end, and and uh, you know they're. They're not exactly a dime a dozen, but there's a lot of guys out there with my qualifications. But my reputation, I, I, I you know, we, we're we're trying to go to these different ranges, and 
I, I talked to a guy two days ago at a range in Florida, and he didn't know me, but we know a lot of the same people because, the, you know, Precision Rifle Series is, is, you know, shot there, and he knows some guys here and here, and I'm like, look, and he was trying to vet me, and I'm like, go ahead and ask about me. I, I don't think you'll find anybody that says bad stuff about me, you know what I mean? I just, I, I, I think getting to the end of a very long career with a really good reputation for hard work and dedication and ethics and all that, I, I think that career-wise is, is probably my best accomplishment. Yeah, 100%. I would agree with you. Through your career, what was the biggest struggle that you dealt with and how did you deal with it? Kevin's pissed at me because I'm asking serious uh, questions. That I, I'm trying to think. I, I'm yeah. I'm trying to think. Right. Um, you know, I, I I could play the party line and say, oh, deployments and being away from my family. At the time, I was focused on going to war, and I couldn't go enough. Right. If I was being honest, that should have been a bigger struggle than it was. But I I, I wanted to go. I like going. I like deploying. That should have been a bigger struggle if I was a better person. Right. I, I mean, I've struggled with injury throughout my career, but everybody has, right? You take a, your, your body takes a lot of beating, um, but, but you suck it up. That's not a huge struggle. What was it about going to war that, that you enjoyed so much? I, 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 was it purpose? Was it just or, the, the love of the game, quote unquote? The, the, so by the time I went to Afghanistan in 04, you think about it, right? I'd been in the U.S. Army for... Eight years, right? Six in the infantry, two in special operations. I've been in the Irish Army for seven years. I, I've had 13, 14, 15 years of training before I ever went to real war, right? Like I'd been in Lebanon, I, I've been in operations in, in Ireland, all that, but real combat. So I had a lot of training. And I think that the combat is the Super Bowl, right? You want to get there. When you get there, it's it's... Even though some of them were, were hardship and austere conditions, especially early on in Afghanistan, it's small teams, it's camaraderie, it's doing a mission you believe in. It's, it's, uh, it, it, to, to guys like me, it's very easy. The hard part is coming home and paying bills and doing day-to-day -day stuff. That, that's the hard part. And, and switching back and forth from one to the other was difficult. And... Um, coming back and getting back into that routine while you're still combat focused because like sometimes we came back we back for a couple of months we've gone again and i came back i came back from afghanistan in the end of 04 and in april 05 i was gone to iraq for nine months right so very very in in a two-year period or in a three-year period i i was gone for two years plus right so it was very very quick switch but it's very hard to get back into the family mindset and go back to war and back again and it was just easier and simpler uh combat was just easier and simpler in my head than being at home and paying bills and getting back in the routine and all that that kind of day-to-day stuff so maybe maybe that was the challenge maybe that was the hard challenge is switching yeah. back and forth between you know military back to home life and back and, and there is a balance you can strike a balance i didn't strike a very good balance but there is a way and you have to strike a balance between family and and uh kind of combat and war and military and i i remember being on andy stump's podcast a couple of years ago and he put it very well he said normally with guys like us the job suffers last you know you put you put all the effort into the job and you neglect your family and i i i I did that too, and a lot of us do it because 
uh, we just you just get caught up in that mechanism. But the job will end. Your family won't, right? Family's always going to be there. They should be their priority. So I, I think that was the challenge is balancing career and family. Yeah. I got to it. It was long winded, but I got to it in the end. Yeah. Uh I can I can relate in a very different way to your comments about the training and combat. Like you do all this training, you just want to see. I remember one of my buddies, Connor. I we were doing a active shooter essentially training, and um, I remember turning to him and I was like, "I would love to be able to put this into practice. I'd love mm-hmm. to see how we do as a team." and all this training that we put into these different aspects of of what we do and i'd love to see how we do i don't want the loss of life i don't want people to have to experience horrible trauma but i'd love just to see how we respond yeah and and that was very much his mentality as well that you mm-hmm. know you do all this work and you want to be able to use it you want mm-hmm. to be able to put it into practice one of, one of the reasons i left the irish army is because we trained and trained and trained and we were working for a government that were very reluctant to use us right we did a couple of operations here and there but we were not being utilized the way we were trained to be utilized and i was like and i knew it was not going to change so that's one of the reasons i i, I tapped out and i came to the states you know yeah. yeah and that's that's a that that is partially why leaving policing was easier for me because that's what it has turned into the Mm. higher ups don't want to utilize certain units and stuff because maybe it doesn't look right or they don't want to be responsible for what may happen Mm -hmm. but that can cause a lot more issues because of that fear yeah but okay so following up with your military career versus family and trying to toe that line from a father perspective and also you know your positioning in the green berets in your military career do you feel that having that kind of a military career is good for someone who has a family um yes if you're if you're the right type of person right and you learn as you go i was working construction i was freaking miserable that's why i went in the american army right we were very very poor for a very long time the the u.s military was very poorly paid up until I was like a staff sergeant or sergeant first class, we were on WIC, which is program, a government program. They give you food, like, you know, when you have a newborn baby, they give you formula, which is extremely expensive. They give you a lot of nutritional food. I was on that till I was a sergeant first class, um, seven, eight years in, right? It, but it, all those struggles, you know, if you have a strong spouse who understands how to manage the house, because when you're in the military, you're, you're, your spouse has to do it all, right? They have to, because you're deploying and you're gone a lot. They have to pay the bills and, and insurance on the car and all that documentation. That all falls on them. So as long as your spouse is strong and your marriage is strong, you'll be fine. Um, if you take advantage of the good parts of being in the military. Uh, we, we were in Germany for four years and it was awesome. Well, wait, yep. before you continue on that, what what are the key characteristics or needs in your opinion, that a relationship needs to survive that kind of atmosphere? Um, I, your sp- yeah, your spouse has got to be independent. You know what I mean? They, they can't be looking to the and it, it, male or female, right? That to the service member for all these answers, right? Because you're deployed, right? And you're gone a lot. So the spouse has got to be really, really independent. And sometimes spouses are not, but they learn it as they go. Um, that's the characteristic. The 
the military member, they, they used to tell us when we were deployed, when you come back from six or eight months deployed, don't take over. Don't start being the boss again. And, and take, It's not fair to the, the spouse that's at home. You need to fall in line and, and kind of, so that's a, there's a balance there between both of you, right? You have to be a team. You have to be on the same kind of side moving forward, but you kind of have to work together and not against each other. But your spouse has got to be independent. They got to be strong-minded um, and they got to be able to get out, out and take care of business or it's just not going to succeed. When we were in Germany, we were in Germany for four years. We, we every year we drove down into Italy. We went to Vincenza, uh, which is beside Venice. We went all the way down to Rome. We camped out. It was awesome. It was really cool. And we used to do a lot of hiking, a lot of rock climbing and, and all the, 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 a lot of outdoor stuff in Germany. So we made the most of it. But people, some people go and they get deployed overseas and they get into this little sewing circle and they, they sit around with other American spouses and just bitch and complain all the time. And it's just not good. It's not good for the kids. It's not good for the atmosphere. But the military can be absolutely awesome if you take the most, you make the most of it and keep that positive mindset and, and utilize it for the good things because there is great things there. And then the other thing is like me, had I not joined the military and had I stayed working construction, I'd be freaking miserable. I, I wouldn't be the man I am today. And that's not good for your marriage either if you're freaking miserable. So I, I, I think there, there's a balance there. But just understand that it is a lot of work. And it's no different to being law enforcement. But um, law enforcement's different in that you're still home every night generally, right? Whereas military, you're gone for six, eight, ten 12 months sometimes and and you're in com or we wear in combat a lot so it, it's easier now because you have zoom and the internet and every early on in the global war of terror we, we letters you know we had no internet we had no i didn't even have email early on but now you have very very constant contact people are whatsapp and all kinds of stuff so it, it's a little easier to stay in touch now but the military can be fantastic if you keep a positive mindset and utilize it to its to the, utilize the things that are available for you to utilize. It, it can be great for you, even for a family. Yeah, yeah, I think being gone and deployed in a way like that so much would be super hard on the family. I know that from a, a police perspective, always being in where your conflict is, is tough. Like I've seen people I've arrested out at yeah. dinner. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's not a fun environment, you know, always having to be on and wondering, you know, yeah. obviously situationally aware and stuff, because you just never know what you're going to run into yeah. or who. And, and that's happened to Rick and I, and that's, um, that's a weird dynamic, mm. but, uh, but definitely what you say. I, I said there's, there's pros and cons, right? Everybody looks at the military like, oh, big heroes and all that. But at least when we deployed, we were gone, right? When we came home, we were home. We didn't have to deal with things. Law I have tremendous respect for law enforcement. They go out every single day. They do. They deal with the dreads of society, and then they come home. And I, I don't know how. You know, I talked about earlier on that two mindsets of being home and being. You, you have to balance both because it's daily and it's every day. You go out. You deal with all this human trash and you come home again and you go out the next day. And that would be, to me, that would be very difficult to balance. And it's, it's probably why there's a lot of mental health issues in, in, in law enforcement, because it, it, it would drain me mentally. Yeah. I mean, if you have to, and, and it took me a couple of years to figure it out for myself, but 
if you are not actively aware of your mindset, where your head's at, and willing to do whatever it takes to keep yourself whole, then you're not only going to be a, a bad cop, but you're probably going to be a terrible spouse and or parent. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're going to have bad friendships. You're, everything's going to fall apart if you don't know how to how to separate that. And it takes, at least for me, it took a little practice in figuring out how to do that. And then once you do, you're fine, but, but it's still an active thing. Like you can, it's just like working out how you have to continuously work out to stay in shape. Well, you have to continuously do things for your mental health as well, whether, you know, that's working out or reading a book or going to a therapist or, you know, doing whatever it is for you. There's never been a police officer that was struggling uh, that I know that was doing those necessary things, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're not actively being aware of that aspect, then it's probably struggling and yeah. someone or something is uh, negatively affected because of it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Next question from a father perspective, what is the best thing that you have taught your children to help prepare them to be safe and resourceful <laughs> that I have taught my kids or that people should teach their kids. Look, if you're, if you're raising kids now, um, I, I think, and it's easy to say, and it's hard to do is get them off that phone and get them working manual labor and, and teach them some work ethic, teach them that delayed gratification, get them out working. Uh, you know, I grew up working hard on farms and all kinds of stuff, and it was just normal to, to, to me, and it was just the way it was. And I didn't get any of the money. Like, I used to work all the time, and it all went into the house because we had a big family and not a lot of money. And that was just the way it was, and I accepted that. But if you could teach your kids, you know, to, to work hard, um, have a good work ethic, don't half-ass shit, just get it done and do it to the best of your ability that would be a great thing to teach your kids because it will fall into every other aspect of life. Uh, don't walk away from, you know, a trash bag overflowing. Don't, you know, try to do... <laughs> it's funny because Tula's laughing in the background. Tula puts these signs up and they say, don't wait for the trash to be overflowing. Empty it, right? And she used to put them up all the time. And I was like, you know, the kids don't even read those signs. So I put a sign up on the fridge that said, if you read this sign and come to me and tell me, I'll give you $20. And I was up there for a week and nobody came to me. None of my kids came to me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they don't read them anymore, right? But I, I look, work ethic and, and trying to do things to your best of your ability is is a great thing to teach kids. And I, and I, I, I see it all the time. I'd rather be, I'd rather have my kids raised and grown now than be trying to raise them at your kid's age because I think the technology thing just makes everything very, very um, difficult and very challenging. But it's just another phase, right? I know there's benefits to technology, right? Mm-hmm. But it it's such an overstimulant. It mm-hmm. is it's like something that just makes them lazy, right? Mm. They don't have to use their imagination. They don't have to, you know, work at anything to succeed on it. It, What do you think has changed society to where, you know, I feel like even when you were younger growing up, work ethic and working hard was just what you did. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't some crazy, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, It wasn't, it wasn't out of the norm. 
It wasn't out of the norm. I, I think we became we became too easy on kids, and I, I put myself in that category too. We don't make them do stuff. We don't get them out there, get them working hard, I, and I, they get the dopamine off the phone, right? They get it off the off the internet. They get all that, right? I I just think life has become very easy. You know, you ever heard that old statement where hard men make good times. Uh, good times make soft men, soft men make hard times, right? And I think life has become so easy and that instant gratification for kids these days. Now, here, here, I will back up a little bit. When I was running a leadership school for junior soft and I was getting all these special operations, males and females in, 120 per, per class, they were all awesome, right? I look at the young Marines in the Marine Corps Special Operations course, right? they're awesome. They're hardworking, they're intelligent, they're very, very good at what they do. So it's not all over the board, right? I, and this is part of the evolution of, of um, society, society, right? right? Uh, uh, I, I, I just, just think... think- Parents, I, I, you know, Tula told me there was a thing on, in, on the internet the other day that Utah is thinking of banning the internet for kids under 16. Number one, good luck enforcing that. But that's now the state doing the parents' job. And that doesn't sit well. Like, parents need to do that. Parents need to take control of their kids. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching to people because I'm, I made a lot of mistakes as a parent too, right? But it, it's just, it's difficult in these days to get control of media Here, here's the thing like when your kids get older and they want to go out with their friends or they want to go over that the, the phone's a tracking device right the biggest like we we didn't give our our kids phones for a long time but when we did you have instant you get used to having the ability to reach out and grab them at any moment i can track them i mean i'll give you a phone but the tracker stays on at all times if you don't like that you don't get the phone right you never turn it off so i know where you are at all times right and i can call you and saying I'm not going to give my kids a phone, now you lose that. And that that's a hard thing to, you know what I mean? It, 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 uh, it's a balance. Mm-hmm. It, it, parenting, is, I think, has become more difficult than it was back in. Look, I was not, I was not directly supervised as a kid. I, I was nine of 14 kids. You think I got directly supervised? I didn't. But if I stepped out of line, I got my ass kicked, like, bad. <laughs> but in a big family like that, the older ones kind of police up the younger ones, too, you know? Uh, but I was unsupervised and running wild for a long time. And luckily, I didn't get into trouble because I was good at it. <laughs> yeah, I think parenting nowadays is something that if you're doing it right, it's a lot of work and it's hard. Yep. And and it there is a, a a fine line of not just crushing them on everything, but also yeah. making sure that you're truly parenting because and not only the technology of the phone being an overstimulant and you know causing all these character flaws, but it also is such a safety issue. The yeah. access that pedophiles and strangers, just strangers alone, have to your child on that mm-hmm. thing you really have to be active in making sure that you know exactly what they're doing and who they're talking to because mm-hmm. it's just so dangerous. I mean, I can't tell you how many cases I've worked where uh, a kid was trafficked and it was because of that dang phone and meeting yeah. somebody online. It's not even the phone. It's video game consoles and everything, right? Anywhere that's connected to the internet, pedophiles find access to your kids, right? So it, it's get get smart on technology, parents. You're going to need it. You're going to need to be able to figure that out. Okay. All right. On to the next question. Or what is your opinion on Ireland's neutrality in relation to Russia? Uh, neutrality is neutrality. It doesn't have to be Russia. But look, Ireland Ireland gained its independence from England in 1922, right? So 
you talk about less than 20 years later, like 18 years later or 15 or whatever it was, World War II breaks out and the British are looking for Ireland's help. And a lot of Irish people fought, joined the British Army and fought World War II. However, the Irish government were like, no. Like, England occupied Ireland for 900 years almost, and they, they did horrible things in Ireland, right? So when they looked for help, the Irish were like, no. So I kind of got it, World War II, a little bit. Uh, now, with Russia and with, you know, I think you got to pick a side. And I think neutrality, no matter what country you are, is a bit of a cop-out. Going, hey, we're neutral, Right. Uh, Sweden was neutral in World War II, but uh, there was Nazis using it to move into Finland and stuff like that. They they weren't exactly neutral. I I think neutrality is a cop-out. You got got to step up and take a side. And European countries, a lot of European countries don't have a huge defense budget because they know they're part of NATO and they know the, the, the American military if something really bad happened would flex over there uh, and and help, right? You know, Russia is really Europe's problem right now. Personally, I don't think we should be funding it or definitely not sending troops there. Because if you take the criteria of, well, it's a bigger country invading a smaller country and we need to help, you could, you could apply that to a dozen places around the world. Where does it end for us? Where does it end? America's hemorrhaging money. There's serious poverty in America. Go ahead and drive into the inner city, drive into up to Appalachia. But we're sending billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine. And this this lie that we were all spun in the media that the Ukrainians were winning and they were kicking Russia's ass, it's all bullshit, right? Because probably because the American public might not be so happy to give over billions of dollars to somebody who was losing, right? What's happening now, I tell you, and I, I haven't heard any intel reports, but this is what always happens in Eastern Europe or in very cold climates. What's happening right now is the Ukrainians and the Russians are fighting for key terrain. They're fighting for uh, MSRs, mobile uh, supply routes, right? Whoever controls the supply routes, when the winter hits, the, the fighting is going to die down now until March because the winter's kind of rough over there. But whoever controls the, the key terrain and the supply routes are going to be resupplied. They're going to be able to feed and arm their troops for a massive offensive in March. So whoever controls that key terrain right now will probably win come early next year when they do a massive offensive. That's what always happens. So uh, Europe's got to step up. If you don't want the, if the Russians conquer Ukraine, is Putin going to stop there? Don't know. But if I was Poland, I'd be very, very worried. Europe's got to step up because they're on your borders. They're not on our borders. Um, and you got you to put, and they, they don't put money into defense. They put it into all these social programs. You got to build your army up and you got to build your military up if you don't want to be taken over because the world is not getting safer. It's getting more dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think your comment about the neutrality aspect is spot on. Mm-hmm. And that, that goes for, you know, individual persons as well, especially in the culture that we live in, even here in America. I think neutrality is the silent killer eventually, if you don't stand up for something, you're going to lose everything. And, Mm -hmm. and we're seeing that even in our culture right now. All right. How about something a little more lighthearted? If you could live in any time period, what would it be? The 1800s in America, the the old West. I I would have loved to see the the frontier before it's gone. Right. They did a lot of reeling about Lewis and Clark and that whole expedition across and, you know, the old West pushing south, extremely dangerous, extreme hardship, not great for women. Um, women were married at 14 and, and popped out kids like crazy and died in childbirth and very, very hard. 
Actually, you could say that about all of history pretty much for women. It's a pretty good time to be a woman now. It wasn't for a very long time. But I, I think the old West would have been really, really cool to see. But again, life was hard back then too. But I, I just, the, the, the idea of a whole new world and a whole new frontier with Buffalo and, 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 and just unspoiled. Exploration. Un, un, yeah, unspoiled by humans. It, it, you know, it, it, it would be, I think that would have been pretty cool personally. What about you? Definitely. Well, if I'm still a woman, then I'm kind of screwed no matter where I go. <laughs> because I definitely would have been burned at the stake or killed in some way, shape, or form for yeah. my mouth and mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think seeing the West would be pretty incredible. I think any kind of exploration before humans have touched it would be pretty mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. Brutal, yeah. hard, but mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. And... I know we've talked about this before, but I've always just been so in awe of what individuals and units and stuff did during World War II to, you know, literally save the world mm -hmm. from a horrible, horrible and and more powerful a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, the the, the Nazis, it was it was it was a close call a lot. And mm -hmm. to, to be able to witness that heroism and. I mean, it would have been absolutely brutal, but to be broken back down to absolutely nothing except for whatever is necessary to survive, mm -hmm. you know, something bigger than yourself. And mm -hmm. and that's that's what it was for most people in that time period. And I think that would have been very, very hard to live through, but also incredibly inspiring. Yeah. If you're yeah, if you're part of the resistance in Europe or your OSS or something like that, understanding if you get captured, you're gonna be brutally tortured brutally tortured yeah. uh, you know um it, it, that was yeah it was pretty pretty brave right mm -hmm. all right well on that that aspect i'll go into the next question the you know i used to love still love reading about the women who went undercover and were spies or did just incredible things during that time period so with that the question is what are your thoughts on women in special operations because the reality is that women have been in special operations mm -hmm. since that time period, even if, you know, it wasn't written down and official. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there's very much perspective from certain people in society that women have no place there. So yeah. what are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> let's agree that men and women are different, right? That's the point, right? And thank God they are, right? That's the point, right? So people... People get mad about this, but I, I, this happened while I was still in. Like the Obama administration did a whole year-long study, spent millions of dollars to, to look at the feasibility. And that was just a CYA. That was to cover your ass in case something happened later on. They knew they were going to do it. They were, they were going to do it, right? So now um, women have been serving in special operations since, since World War II, right? In the OSS and all that. And women are better at certain things than men. They're better at intelligence gathering. They, they could blend in better. Um, I remember being in the Middle East when I was a team sergeant and we were doing training. I won't say what country. And we were, we put uh, tracking tags on cars and we were following them, doing physical surveillance, right? And then we'd go to a shopping mall and we'd get out and we'd, 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 we'd tail them on foot. Have you ever seen two Green Berets, white guys in the Middle East at a shopping mall with tattoos down their arms and shaved heads? It looks ridiculous, right? You just stand out. And the way they walk and everything, right? Um, the way they carry themselves, it just looks ridiculous. Yeah, Oakley's. But a man and a woman can blend very, very well, right? So they're... And that's they're, the same even in policing. Yeah, exactly. 
my because we were a semi undercover unit as well and we do the same thing with tracking cars and people and stuff and mm. it was far easier for one of the guys and I to go into somewhere yep. and just pretend to be a couple mm-hmm. than two of the big bulky guys with right. bullies and shaved mm-hmm. heads yeah 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 it's ridiculous right so let let's get to the argument right the argument that women can't physically handle it right uh, it's not really true. There are women that are, are absolutely capable of handling the standards. And the standards don't need to be insane, right? Um, all special operations, rangers, SEALs, SF, they do a great job of, of uh, weeding people out that are like quitters, right? That's a mindset thing. That's not a physical thing, right? Like, I, I tell you, I've known you for about two years. You Had you had the opportunity, you would have passed special forces selection. And you would have passed the Q course. And I would have loved to have you on my team because you're smart, you're physically fit, and you have the right mindset to work hard and get the job done and put all that crap behind, right? You, you would have been fine. You would have crushed it, right? It wasn't available for you at the time. And you went into policing because you didn't want to go in and be, you know, support or whatever, right? So uh, you would have been fine. Best so compliment that, I've ever gotten. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so again, are you big, huge guy? No, I'm not either. I was 50 pounds lighter than the next heavier guy on my team when I was a team sergeant. Wow. Yeah. And when you do military free fall, I was the free fall jump master and the most experienced guy. So I put everybody out. I find a spot, you know, with the GPS and the tracking software, like, cause you have to jump at a certain point. If you're jumping at 25,000 feet, you, there's forward throw from the bird and then you have to fly a certain distance and all that. Right. So I do all that, put everybody out. And then I jump last. Now, we open the chutes immediately. We fly to our target. It might be a 45-minute flight. I have to fall at the same pace as the other guys, which I can't because I'm so much lighter. So I, I used to have to, yeah, I used to have to reach up and grab the front risers and do a pull-up on them, which dips the parachute and drops me like really, really fast to catch up. And then they'd leave me again. And I'd do it again. And I'd carry a heavier ruck than them. So as I could, so we, we just figured it out, right? I could land at the same place as them. I can't have them leaving me, right? Right. So I'm I'm a small guy, right? But but the the we we figured that out, right? I, I can't think of anything as a special forces team sergeant that you you would not have been able to do. I, I can't think of anything, right? Now it's harder for you to to put on muscle and upper body strength and all that but you just work harder at it you just work harder yeah. at it. that's just the way it is right um so that that's the one argument that women can't physically do what that and that's just not true it's it's not so yeah from my perspective on that and before you get into your next point i always wanted the the same standards and I think that there, there's, it's reasonable to have the same standards across the board with whatever, like, I don't know what it was for you, but we, we had a special, um, specifically for SWAT, you know, a week long thing that you had to pass certain things. And it wasn't, it wasn't some crazy thing, you know, but it was above average. But I think from my perspective, I wouldn't have wanted a handout. Because mm. for me, I've I would have lost respect from some of the guys, and I I also wouldn't want them to think that I couldn't yeah. physically do some of the job, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think a standard across the board is a good thing. But then recognizing that a special operations team, or in the police world, a, a SWAT team, you know, special weapons and tactics team, that 
has a dynamic of so many different people and characteristics. You can't have just that big muscle head mm. and be able to achieve all the roles that are needed. You know, mm -hmm. you you um you really need diversity in just the job alone some people are going to be better at some things than others and really what people don't realize is it is more of a mental game than anything else yeah mm -hmm. and if you can't think on your feet think critically in tons of stress or exhausted and make the right decision don't be a liability mm -hmm. that's more important than being able to bench 400 pounds you know that's that's more relevant to the job than being able to pull a car or something stupid mm -hmm. like that. I can't, I can't bench 400 pounds or pull a car. <laughs> Never could. <laughs> look, look, there, there's, there's a middle ground, you know, there's a middle ground, right? So standards have to be the same, but standards have to be reasonable. Now uh, it's very, very difficult, right? Because when you create different standards, you do. I, I, I was telling Tula this morning, I, when I was in uh, I was in a leadership school early on in my career, like 98 in Fort Hood. And I was in great shape. I was a freaking PT stud, right? So when I remember uh, they had an Ironman award for the highest PT score. And a, a female won it. I was like, okay. And I was on the bus coming back from chow with her. And I got up sitting beside her and just talking to her. And I said, how many, how many, how many push-ups did you do? In two minutes, I can't remember exactly, but I think she said something like, oh, I did more than I ever did before in my life. I did 47. And I said, I did 87. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I like it, 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 so, but I think having a different standard is a bad thing because you do create, and, and it happens all the time. Like I remember hearing about you know law enforcement in, in New York or where, or maybe it's firefighters where some woman sued because she was required to pick up a 200-pound dummy and run like 100 meters. So they, they changed the standard to a 50-pound dummy and 25 meters or something like that, right? And, and, but they made it ridiculously low. Yeah, they made it ridiculously low just to, to be politically correct, right? And that's dangerous in the special operations world. Yeah, uh, and that's dangerous in the policing world. If you can't very your buddy mm -hmm. and drag him off the X, yeah. yep. there's no 50-pound guy. Yeah, There's nobody, I mean, even my weight alone, that I was by far the smallest person, but I had to be able to drag mm -hmm. one of my buddies at least some distance. You yeah, know? yeah. So, look, if, if, if a woman goes to selection, goes to the Q course that passes that, that is not an easy thing to do for anybody. And I've seen big, strong guys, ranger qualified guys quit in hardship, right? So if somebody gets through there, and some of them have, congratulations, welcome to the regiment, you freaking deserve it. But if you're a young female who wants to go that route, don't let the naysayers stop you. In, in a lot of ways, they're insecure men who are afraid that you're just going to be better than them at certain things. I would say try it. Once you get to a team, you will find that that team will insulate around you and you'll become one of the team. Now, let's let's go to the other point, right? So I went through all this in, in my career and they all, I, I saw all this happen, right? And it was all political too, a lot of it, right? And it was never to me, my, my concern, I won't say objective, my concern was never the physical aspect. It was the sexual component of men and women working together in close teams, right? And both are to blame right? Let's take men, right? Men act stupid around women, right? They just do. Like I remember in, uh, we were training for Kosovo in 99, I think I was a staff sergeant in the infantry in Germany. We were hitting a big village, like training and moving through. We'd armored vehicles and all that kind of thing. And we pushed into a church 
and we had to secure the church and wait. We were getting resupplied with ammo. We were pulling our casualties out and stuff like that. And I was the squad leader. And I put all the guys up on the windows and they were pulling security because we were expecting a counterattack. And, you know, a few minutes later, they had civilians. They call them civilians on the battlefield. They hire people to be civilians that, so you can, you know, train getting used to marshalling and, and, and taking care of civilians. So they, had, they hired a bunch of young Hungarian college students, female. And with little shorts on them and tight T-shirts. And they kept running in to the church saying, we've been raped, we've been raped, right? And so there's like eight or ten of them. And, I, and we pull them all in. I put them up on the altar. I put my medic up there uh, to make sure they were okay. And I went down to the back of the church and I got a drink of water. And I turned around and all the guys that were up in security were on the altar. You know what I mean? They can't help themselves, you know? And I was like, what the Just fuck? Just thinking with the wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I put them all back up again. And I'm like, Jesus. And then I go answer the radio, like, you know, 30 minutes later, I come back and they're all on the altar again. And I'm like, they just can't help it, right? So men men act stupid around women. Now, let's let's share the blame. Women, some women play that game to their advantage. Absolutely. They, they wrap men around their little finger and they tag them along and pull them along. So it was always that that component of, let's say, somebody's on a team with an ODA, they're downrange deployed for, for a year. And... She's going out with this guy, and then she stops, and she's going out with this guy, and, and, and then it just becomes a dynamic and a problem. But that leadership needs to control that stuff. There needs to be harsh rules put in place, and, and strong leadership can mitigate problems, but sometimes the leadership are the problem. Sometimes they're the one doing it, you know? So then the leadership of that. Somebody's in charge of somebody along the way, and there can be zero tolerance, right? Some very strict rules. So um, that was always my concern. Right. And let, let's just say, let's just say I'm a team sergeant and you're an officer in special operations and you're the team leader and me and the, the team leader and the team sergeant work very closely together. And let's say me and you are working late at night and all that. And even if nothing's going on, I, I don't know how your husband would feel about that. I pretty much know how my wife would feel about that. Right. That it's, it's just a weird, weird kind of dynamic that you have to be professional enough to get past, right? Um, right. But freaking deal with it, right? Deal with it. Women are in special operations now. They're, it's open to them all. I, I think it's a really good thing. I think they, they bring a lot to the table. But don't, if you're a young female and you're going into that world, don't become the person who created that concern. Be professional. And you've gone through this because you went to SWAT. Yep, go ahead. Yep. Same with policing. Same mm. with policing. That is your reputation. If you are thinking about any career like this, your reputation is everything. There are going to be rumors about you regardless of mm -hmm. what you do or don't do. But don't add to them. It, yeah. If you lose that, it only takes one bad move. It only takes one mistake for you to completely destroy your reputation. Mm -hmm. And as a female in a male-dominated role, that is so important. You will not be seen as, oh, you know, way to go, buddy, slept mm -hmm. with another one. That's not, you're going to be seen as the slut. Mm -hmm. And and you're going to not be taken as seriously. You're not going to be as respected. And that's a serious concern that you should have from the moment you step in through those doors because you have to protect your reputation because your reputation is what will speak for you mm -hmm. when others are speaking negatively against you. I, and you, you, you yeah. don't want to tarnish it. 
And you're going to be scrutinized harder. Like, let's just be honest, right? And this is not this politically politi- correct. It's like if you put a gun post on Instagram, you'll get attacked viciously. We've seen it so many times. I can do the exact same post and I won't get near as much people talking shit to me, right? It, it just, it's right. Di- di- it's like men have a, a, a chip in their brain that lets them handle guns better than women. Like, it, it's just a ridiculous concept, right? Trained is trained and you're trained. It, it's just a ridiculous concept. So that is the problem. And they're, they're, let's not pretend that everybody's equal and women are just as strong as men. It, it, it's called testosterone, right? Right. You, you, but we all bring, we all bring something to the table, right? And leadership and being, being, um, if you if you went to special operations, let's say you're you're coming out of college now and you wanted to go, would you rather be weapons, communications, medic, or engineer? That's the four choices. That's a green beret. Mm-hmm. Medic would be fun, but that's not what I would prefer. I'd prefer weapons, but yeah. I know the the excess gear that you have to carry and stuff. Yeah, not really. Everybody's everybody's a shooter first. That's a second. Like medics are not medics they're shooters they're door kickers they're unconventional warfare guys they just happen to be good at patching holes and freaking you know but everybody gets cross trained anyway right yeah yeah look you know in this in this politically correct world we all oh you can be anything you want to be no you can't you can't i can't be a freaking nfl quarterback not gonna happen right can't be a brain surgeon don't have the intelligence yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I wasn't the guy who kicked in a door either because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm. why would you put there? People have strengths and yep. people have weaknesses, mm-hmm. everyone across the board. Mm-hmm. So take the people who have those strengths and put them in those positions yeah. and utilize the other people's strengths for something else. I mean, a team has so many roles. Yeah, you can put a breaching charge on a doorba <laughs> or hit it with a shotgun. That's generally what we do. Yeah. I was a part of the breaching team, but I was never the guy who kicked in the door for obvious reasons. Yeah. I, I think it's gotten to the point where we can't even have an intelligent conversation about this because when when the Obama administration were doing that whole big study and all that, if you said anything, you were like, oh my God, you're a misogynistic pig. Like if you said, hey, what about this? Right? I Like a genuine question, right? You were just, oh my God, how it's like today, right? You can't have an intelligent conversation about the issues. And there are issues, but you can get through them, right? So if you're a young female, you want to go this career, don't let the naysayers stop you and don't let all the negative comments stop you. Just do what you want to do. Drive on and have a great career. Welcome to the regiment. Yeah, good answer. And I do think it, I, I think it, it is apparent very quickly if women who are trying out for those kind of roles are there for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And and they're not going to last very long if they aren't. Because one, the mentality that it takes is just, there is no quit. Like that is not an option. I would, I literally would rather die than quit. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, was my mentality going into everything. And if you, if you're going through those kind of harsh, rough things and you have a a mentality that isn't like that, you're going to quit because why would you want to do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. Yep. It's not the easy way out. It's not easy or fun sometimes. Look, look, I, I, I didn't have a ton of experience working with females in my military career. I spent six years in the infantry, special operations. There. When I ran a leadership school for SOF, they incorporate civil affairs and psyops into, into special operations and they had females in them. So they had to come to my leadership school, very junior non-commissioned officers. So I was like, I'm not taking 
female students until I have female instructors. Not happening. We're, we're going we're gonna to put the pin back in the hand grenade on that one, right? I had 14 Green Berets working for me as instructors, and I was charging them all, right? So I got two females. One was Civil Affairs, and she was, she was awesome. And then the other one was not in soft. She was like uh, HR or something like that. But she was fine too, right? But again, they came in. I don't know them. So this is what happens. You walk on eggshells initially because you don't know what you're dealing with. And especially back then, you say the wrong thing and everybody's career goes down the toilet, right? And then as a young female in that role, if a guy says something, number one, if you're a delicate little flower and you're, you're offended by everything, you're probably not in the right job. You're just not. Same with SWAT, right? If you're in SWAT, not for you, right? So, but if you come in and, and somebody says something inappropriate to you, it's he said, she said right? If nobody's witnesses, if you report that, and I'm not saying don't report it, but if you report that, it's very hard to prove. And then somebody else says something and you report that. Now you have a reputation of somebody who runs and reports everything and nobody's going to want to work with you, right? I'm not saying don't report it. I'm just saying this is the reality of the situation, right? Um, I am I am kind of saying don't report it. If, it, if it's just verbal yeah, banter yeah yeah that is part of the world mm. i mean that is part of that world and if that world isn't for you that's fine now if it crosses a line mm. that's different you know it was very it was very well known on the team and and the other females that worked with me you could verbally like all bets were off right there's no way i could have complained because i would have been complained on too yeah, yeah. you know mm -hmm. like that was the role and that's okay but I also didn't work with animals. Like they never crossed that line. Mm -hmm. There was, it wasn't things like, I don't know, rape jokes or things no. like that, because mm -hmm. that's not freaking funny. And none yeah. of them thought it was funny. You mm -hmm. know, we've all dealt with uh, those victims and stuff. And that's just not, there was nothing that was verbal that was, was mm -hmm. too much. It was joking. And that's just that world because sometimes the best way to deal with trauma or, or stress and tense situations is to joke about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Um, normal civilians may not understand that and it may be like, oh, appalling and, and mm -hmm. that's fine. They don't have to live in that world. But for police officers and I'm sure military, yeah. that is a stress release and it's something that is a bonding thing too. And if you're, if you're complaining about some jokes, like that's, come on, man, there's, mm -hmm. There's better things to be doing with your time. And you're never going to earn the respect or trust of those guys. Yeah, I'm sure there was a certain point where guys are joking super inappropriate around you. But that means you're part of the team. Yeah. That's what that does, right? But uh, so, yeah. It's, you shouldn't take that offensively. Like, mm -hmm. yes, they're going to make up inappropriate jokes. They're dudes. But, you know, I can make inappropriate jokes too. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> make me blush sometimes. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Uh, but but when I had those two females working for me, right, and I had 14 guys, I, I give them all the briefing and I'm like, look, guys, you got to gotta watch what you say, right? So everybody's on their best behavior at the start. And then... As they get more comfortable and, and the women are more comfortable and they get to know each other, then the line of what's acceptable gets pushed. And that's okay. But then it gets pushed and it gets pushed and it gets pushed. And I was in my office one evening and they're all outside talking and they were talking about all kinds of stuff they did the weekends. And I'm like, oh, man, you are now at my level where you're pushing the line. And after the two females left, I said, guys, look. I'm not telling you what to say. I'm not the freaking politically correct police. I'm terrible at it, right? But I'm telling you now, if one of those females gets a bad non-commissioned officer report, then if she goes back and says, I couldn't concentrate on my job because of all the cussing and swearing and all that, we'll all go down. They will destroy us all. So I'm just telling you to be careful. 
right? And, and that was the politically correct world we lived in at that time, right? Um, now, it'd be different if you were on my team, right? That, that'd be different. But there's still a line that you don't cross. Right. We joke all the time, but there's a line. I yeah. didn't work with animals. They yeah. they understood mm-hmm. that. Like, they, they were respectful of that. And I think, especially at that level, that's, for the most part, that's what you're dealing with, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. but with with the civilian aspect, we had civilians in our offices mm. at times, and we had some of them complain because of the oh yeah, we're saying. me too, yep. And and we yeah. were like, get them out, like they need a different <laughs> a different yeah. place because that's that's not um that's not good for the team camaraderie or anything either because you're just dealing with different things that need a different touch to mm-hmm. work through. When when I interviewed the command sergeant major for. Uh... Swick, there a couple of you know a couple of months ago, and we talked about we women females in special operations. And some jackass put a comment in there, and he was like, "Oh, you you know, women shouldn't be in special operations." And uh, and I said, "Hey, if they pass election, they're welcome." And he was like, "Oh, so you're gonna put them first in the stack so they can get shot in the face?" That's her decision. That is her. De- you don't make that as the man. I'm not letting a woman get shot. Your decision is to put yourself in the stack and be, go into that career field. Man or woman, that's the risk you accept. Same with SWAT, right? That's the risk you accept. That's your decision, not mine. You know, you want to be part of this world. That is an occupational hazard in a lot of cases, right? So good for you. He sounds like a very insecure little he man. He really does. He really does. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's, let's move on. Next. Okay. Last question. What are your plans for overmatch in 2024? Okay, our plans for overmatch in 2024. So we, we talked about this. We were in the range yesterday shooting, doing some content and stuff. But we talked about, obviously, look, when we, we started this together, we decided we'd let the we'd let the market decide what we want to do right now. We don't want to be like everybody else. Uh, you know, neither one of us wants to stand in a range with a carbine and blast hundreds of rounds at a target 25 meters. It just doesn't interest us. We've done a lot of long gun stuff. We've done cops. We've done military and stuff like that. Long gun's hard in the winter because we're going into the winter months now. Um, so we're trying to look for ranges down south. And then in the spring and the fall, I'm gone for two months in spring, two months in fall, working for the Marine Corps. So that kind of hurts us a little bit. Zoom Zoom calls are very, very effective with both of us. You do, you do situational awareness and personal security, all that kind of stuff. And I do like long gun stuff. That's been great. We're going to do a little more content in the winter. Uh, particularly YouTube, we have a really good plan for really interesting content coming up. Then, you know, the, the, there's a marketing. I'm going to go to SHOT Show, and I've, I've been to SHOT Show like four or five times, but as military, as a buyer for the military, now going as a civilian, and we're trying to walk that line of marketing, right? And uh, the, the, the problem is if you play the brovet card and green beret this and all that you know on the thumbnails and on youtube green beret teaches you how to zero your rifle green beret this green beret sniper i just can't play that role because i'm sick of it it's everywhere and it makes me nauseous like it, it it's just over freaking played and i can't be that guy right now i need to get better at marketing and what i want to do is work with one company that's really good and really reputable, a product I really, really believe in, um, and, and do some marketing and some content for them. So I'd like to do that at Chacho. Is that it? Last question? Yeah. Uh, last thing. Hey, guys, go ahead, and, go ahead and subscribe if you haven't. I look at the analytics on this, and most, like half the people who watch these videos have never subscribed. Uh, it, that will help us a lot. And uh, 
ask questions in the bottom. If you want to be, yeah, hey, if you're going to ask me a question or you want to be an asshole, I'll just block you. I have no problem blocking somebody. I don't mind questions. I don't mind you disagreeing with me. But if you want to call me a dick or you want to call me a whatever, I'll just block you. You, you, you know, it, it, this is uh, our platform and you want to be an asshole on it? Yeah, go be an asshole somewhere else. All right. Um, what else? Follow us on Instagram. Yep. Mine is at Rosie Kbar, R-O-S-E-Y-K-B-A-R. And Kevin's is obviously Kevin.p.owns. Yep. Kevin.p.owns. Yep. 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 Not Patty. It's not Patty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you just gave me great ideas. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Thanks. Thank you, Kevin, for being on your podcast sure. today and letting us get mm -hmm. to know you a little better. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. <laughs>